Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Man, I just been pretending. I just wonder how many others have shared that story with him and how incredibly it is the Lord has worked in his heart. Um, praise the Lord for all he's doing. You should talk to Jake and let him tell you more. We're going to baptize, baptize him at 11 this morning. So uh, if you want to sneak in and see that, you could do that. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Let me pray for us now. We're going to begin. Father, we just thank you for, uh, Lord, the opportunity to gather again, to open up your word, Father, and to study your word. It's foundational for us. Uh, it is uh, the, the anchor upon which we hold to, Lord. You've given us truth. You've given us understanding, Father. Now you give us this beautiful time together, Lord, to study and to, um, Lord, be challenged and apply this truth to our lives. And so I pray you just open our eyes and our hearts to this. I pray you would remove distractions, Father. There's a thousand other things we could be thinking about. And I pray for this time, Lord, over the next little while as we just listen to your word, Lord, as we just hear your truth. Father, I pray it impact us. I pray it would change us. I pray it would transform us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. Open up to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're continuing our study this morning. We've entitled Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve. And uh, man, I'm excited about what's going on with this series already. I've had so many people talk to me about their Sunday school class. I've had so many people talk to me about what's going on in their homes with their devotions. I've had so many people talk to me just about their level of excitement about what we're doing. It's been exciting for me as a dad with my family. We're all on the same page. We're talking about the same things, which is really cool to me. I drive home with my children. I get to talk to them about Sunday school, and they're studying the same things that everybody else is studying and what we talked about on Sunday morning. I think it's good for our church. I think it's a really, really healthy thing for us to do, and, and it really challenges us and encourages us. But we've been going through this vision statement over the last few weeks. We're going to continue today. The statement, very simply, is we want you to connect to Jesus and his church, to grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and to serve Jesus here and around the world. But as I've said to you the first few weeks of this series, the first two weeks, I'm going to say it to you again this morning, it's so much more than just a sermon series. Like if all you do is come and, and listen uh, during the worship service, that's a good portion of it. But we want you to take the next few steps. We'd love for you to get involved in a Sunday school class and what the Myers shared with us this morning across the board uh, with their family, how big of a deal small groups are, Sunday school is for them. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So if you're not in a Sunday morning Sunday school class or in a weeknight small group, and by the way, they're the same things. They're the same exact things. They both sit together, study the Bible, have the same format. We'd love for you to be in a small group. Jeremy's going to be in the fellowship hall again today. You can go speak to him. He'd love to plug you in. We've had a, a lot of couples, a lot of families over the last couple of weeks take us up on that offer and are now in Sunday school classes, and that's exciting for us. That's, that's really a win for our church when we go from people that are just attending a worship service to deepening their faith and connecting more with Christ and connecting more with our church through a small group. And so we want to encourage you to do that. You can pick up a little devotion if you want to as well. We have those available. Or you can get one on your phone or on any device, computer, app, whatever, uh, a tablet, anything you want. Go to our website, rosemontchurch.org, and under resources, you can click down and you can get it there. We'd love for you to look at that as well. So over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of started off with the first phrase, connect with Jesus and his church. In the very first week, we talked about salvation from Ephesians chapter 2. It starts there. Jake is, is the perfect picture of that. I, I've said this to you guys, and I continue to believe this. I have a burden in my heart that there are lots of people in the modern American church just like Jake. 
I just have this burden that there are people that are playing church. He said, man, I, I knew how to be a good worshiper. Isn't that an interesting thing for him to say? Like I knew how to come and just kind of say the right things and act the right way. But when I got back to work Monday morning, it was just the same as it had always been. Nothing had really changed for me. And the Lord just grabbed a hold of his heart. And, and, and when he walked down that morning, I'll never forget, he said to me, I'm just tired of all this sin. <laughs> An incredible thing for him to say. But we want you to connect first with Jesus. Like if your salvation isn't real or you're not sure about it or you have questions about it or you think, you know, I've been playing church. Let's talk about it. I'd love to share with you more about what connecting with Christ means and what salvation looks like. And then last week we talked about connecting to the church. We looked at Acts chapter 2 in the early church and how they were devoted to the, to the, the four different things we talked about and the, the idea of, of prayer and fellowship and the apostles' teaching and breaking bread together, how important those things were and how we need to be devoted to each other as a church, as, as the body of Christ. And so we've talked about connecting to Christ. We've talked about connecting to his church. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to delve into a little bit more about ways that we can connect to Christ and his church. This morning's going to be baptism. Baptism is, is one of the foundational teachings of the New Testament church. We talk about ordinances in the New Testament church, right? Christ ordained us to do these things. We talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper. By the way, next Sunday we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper together. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. We've got a, a neat uh, opportunity in our 945 service. We decided to do something a little bit different this year. We have New Christians class, which I love. Uh, the New Christians class is an opportunity for our children that are asking questions, thinking about salvation, or have just prayed to receive Christ. Before we baptize any child, you need to understand they've gone through this process. They've gone through this class taught by Pam Sewell where they go into the doctrine of our church and what baptism is and what the Lord's Supper is. They've met with Mr. Philip and the parents have met with Mr. Philip. And it's a, it's a very healthy process that we walk these kids through. But kind of the graduation for them, their last Sunday, has always been the Lord's Supper, which is really cool because it's the first time they get to partake of the Lord's Supper. And we just started talking as a team and thinking, you know, how can we really encourage these kids? How can we encourage the people of our church? How can we really connect these kids to the body at large? And so we're going to do something we've never done before. Typically when they take the Lord's Supper, they do it in their little classroom, kind of their own little deal. We're going to bring them out next Sunday morning. We're going to sit them and their parents on the front couple of rows. We're going to celebrate with them all that they've done in this class and what it means and introduce them to the church. So if you want to come and see that, that's 945 because that's when they typically meet. You're welcome to stick your head in the door and come and just listen and watch. We're excited about what the Lord's doing in their hearts, and we're excited about that opportunity for them to connect with our church. But we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to preach about the Lord's Supper because baptism and the Lord's Supper are two main functions, two main ordinances of uh, the New Testament church. And so this morning, we're going to talk about baptism, and we're going to talk about how baptism connects us now to Jesus and to his church. And so in order to do that, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6. Now, just a little bit of background on Romans 5, because Paul's going to jump into Romans 6 with a question. And in order to understand it, you need to have read through chapter 5. I'm going to summarize it for you. By the way, just a little side note. I'll never forget the first time I read through the New Testament many, many years ago. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I loved it. It was just great. It was the gospel. It was a picture of Christ and his ministry and, and all that he did. And it's, we would phrase it or call it like historical narrative, right? It was a picture of who he was and what he did. And I'll never forget uh, when I read Acts on through to the, to the New Testament church. And then you get into Romans, and it's like you walked into this depth with Paul. It's just incredible. 
Like if, you, if you've never read through the New Testament or never read through the book of Romans, you ought to do it because there's, there's so much depth there. And Paul just talks about the, the grace of God and the salvation we find in Christ. And he spent this whole kind of chapter 5 talking about our sin and, and the grace that God gives us. And he, and he makes this comment that where sins, sin abounds, grace abounds. In other words, the, the Lord offers us grace oftentimes in our own sinfulness which is a beautiful picture, but it leads us to this question that he's going to ask at the very beginning of Romans chapter 6. Right? If God gives us more grace, even in our sin, then the question becomes Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Think through, me, think through this with me now. We have it on the screen. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? It's a good question. Right, if God's going to offer us grace, shouldn't we just continue to sin so we get more grace? That's the question Paul asks. Now look at the answer, verse 2. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so I want to think about baptism this morning. I want to think about Christ, and I want to think about the connection. And so the first thing I want you to see this morning, we're going to walk back through this text together, is that baptism, very simply, connects us to Jesus' church. Right? And there's an apostrophe there, which means possessive, right? This is the church of Christ, right? The Lord owns this church. You don't own it. I don't own it. The deacons don't own it. The staff doesn't own it. Nobody owns it other than Jesus, right? We've seen that already in our study. We understand exactly what Jesus says to Peter upon this rock I will build my church, right? It's owned by Christ. He, it was his idea. He founded it. And so when we think about baptism, baptism connects us to Jesus and to his church. Now, I want to give you a little bit of history about baptism because a lot of times we think about baptism and we think about what it means for us. And by the way, I'm going to baptize, baptize like I said, later this morning. We think about what it means to us now. But there's a rich history of baptism in the New Testament first, but also in the Old Testament. Now, you may remember the first time that we really hear about baptism in the New Testament is when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Matthew chapter 3. You don't have to look it up, but I want you to listen. Jesus comes up to John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been baptizing in the wilderness. Jesus wants to be baptized of John, and John doesn't really want to do it, but he eventually does. And the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, right? he's our example there, he went up out of the water, came up out of the water, and at that moment heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and a light on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Right? you got this beautiful picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, present at the baptism of Christ. Jesus is our example, and his baptism really begins his ministry. Right From that point forward, he begins to go off into 
uh, the area of Galilee and eventually Jerusalem and heal people and preach repentance. But it begins with this idea of baptism. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is fascinating me. Baptism uh, proper, I guess we could say, in the way we understand it, begins in the New Testament. But there's great symbolism in the Old Testament in the way that the Lord uses water in judgment and in salvation and creation. So I'm going to give you three very interesting ways that the Old Testament kind of looked ahead. Now remember, we would say that the Old Testament, everything about the Old Testament looks ahead to what Jesus was going to accomplish Everything about the New Testament looks back on everything that he did, right? So the Old Testament is kind of foretelling of Jesus, right? And if, if, you, if you kind of are aware of that and, and want to see it and look for it, it's amazing the, the ways you can see in the Old Testament that are looking ahead to who Jesus was going to be. And even this idea of baptism. So just three kind of quick examples. And, and by the way, there, there are books that have been written about this. So if this interests you, Come talk to me. I can recommend one book in particular to you, but there are others if you want to read more about this idea of baptism in, in the Old Testament. Think about the flood, Genesis chapter 7. Right? The, the Bible says that, that God had looked upon the earth, uh, and, and the earth was bad, and, and sin had taken over. And, and the Bible actually says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, right? God looked at the people of the earth, realized they were sinful, and the Lord said in verse 7, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land. There's so much sin, he says, I'm going to judge this, I'm, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm I, 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 just so upset and sickened by what these people are doing. But Genesis 6-8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Here, here's the, the picture, right? God uses water as, as this judgment. It brought death, but Noah and his family were delivered through the water. Isn't that interesting? Right? We're looking at big picture here, right? But it's, it's, it's kind of symbolic of what baptism is going to eventually mean in the New Testament. These people are delivered through this water. Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel. Remember, they've, they've led. Moses has gone talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has let the people go. They've kind of run off into the wilderness, and Pharaoh changes his mind. The people of Israel get backed up against the Red Sea. You may remember in the Red Sea on one side, the army of Egypt on the other, and they're kind of stuck. They don't know what to do. Exodus 14, 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back. And, and do I believe it happened like that? 100%. Do I think they walked through a six-inch reed sea? Absolutely not. I think there were hundreds of feet of water on both sides. I can't even imagine. Like, I can remember when I was growing up talking with my family, and I'm going to get back to this verse, I promise, but I just, this is so cool to me. I can remember talking with my dad, and we used to have this fun game where you'd play, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? Like, what's the first question you're going to ask when you get to heaven? Right? And that's always fun to think about. I do that with my kids sometimes. You know, what do you want to know when you get to heaven first? This is one of the things I want to see. I want God to kind of roll the tape back, right? I want to watch the, the closed-circuit TV of the Red Sea being parted. Man, I would love to see that. Just imagine the, the, the walls of water. The, the Bible says he stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. Right? They, they were delivered through the water. Right? Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, right? just to make this connection. 1 Corinthians 10.1, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers 
were all under the cloud, right? That's the cloud that they walked through and passed through the sea. Watch this. And were all, here's the word, baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. Isn't that interesting? Right? Paul makes this connection, how they passed through the water and they were saved. Right? Genesis chapter 1. The Bible tells us in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, right? This is the water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. It's interesting how the, the, the waters of the deep and God took from that and brought forth new life. Brought forth new creation. One, one writer said this, When God created, His Spirit moved over the face of the waters, and then He spoke His word. So in the beginning we had this link between the Trinity and water. This first creation foreshadows the new creation. Right? All through the Old Testament, God used this idea of water to, to show judgment and to show salvation and to show creation and to show new life and to show the beauty of who he was and what he could accomplish. Right? It's a foreshadowing of what these people would, would one day see. And then we pick this up. We pick up the same idea now in the New Testament in our passage this morning. And so I want to look again at Romans chapter 6. Pull up verse 3 if you would for me please. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Paul says, do you not know that all of us, right? This is anybody who's a believer. All of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus and were baptized into his death. Right, So, so there's this link here. We see this history of, of water and baptism in the Old Testament. We see now that Jesus has been baptized at the beginning of his ministry. We see now that Paul is going to write to the church in Rome about baptism and what it means. And he says, listen, for all of us that were believers, we've been baptized into Christ Jesus. There's this connection here with Jesus. There's this connection with his church, which is us, through baptism. You see that? Like when you go through the waters of baptism, there's this connection with Christ and his church. And we see this all through the New Testament as well. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can write these down and look them up later if you want to. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, that's us, in all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink one spirit. Right? There's this connection through baptism. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into one body. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There's this picture throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. This baptism connects us to Jesus. It connects us to his church. It reminds us of what he accomplished. Right? There's, there's great unity there. And that's why baptism is such a big deal for us. Right? I, I think in the, in the modern church especially that baptism has become kind of a ho-hum deal for a lot of people. <laughs> right? Well, it's not a big deal. We'll just, just another baptism. 
We're happy for them, but what's next, right? So that's one of the reasons when we started thinking about how we're going to remodel this building, we wanted to make this a little more part of what we were doing. Right? We wanted it to feel more personal. We wanted it to be closer. We wanted you to be able to view it more. We wanted to make it a bigger deal. That's why we do the baptism videos. That's the whole point of that, to make it a big deal to you. We're trying to ex explain to you this matters to us. We're putting a lot of time and energy into this. Or we're having great conversations with these people. and We're praying with them. We're, we're seeing lives change. And baptism represents a beautiful picture. This idea of who Christ is and our unity with Jesus and how we're connected to him and how we're connected to our church. And so we need to keep that in mind. We, we need to remember that. We, we need to understand that, that this is a big deal to the Lord. It ought to be a big deal to us. And so I want you to see this connection. I want you to understand the connection we make to Jesus and to his church. Well, let's continue because there's more there. Look at Romans chapter 6 again. Beginning in verse 3. Pull verse 3 up and following. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, that's an important word. We're going to come back in just a second. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. There it is again. In order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If we've been united with him in a death, there it is again, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Here's the second truth I want you to see this morning. Baptism connects us with Jesus' death and burial. Right? Baptism connects us with Jesus' death and burial. Right? That word death is used several times, I think three or four times in those five verses. And so I'm going to give you just a few key points about baptism uh, that are important, that matter, that I don't want you to miss. Uh, the first two are kind of general that I want you to see. And then the third one is going to be found right in Romans chapter 6 here. And I've, I've got them on the screen because I don't want there to be any confusion before I go too far into this. The first one... Baptism does not save you. Right? You receive salvation based on your faith in Christ, not on your baptism. Right? We can point directly to Scripture. There's so many examples. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Right? Baptism does not provide salvation. It announces it. You understand that? It's a public declaration. So just to be clear, right, and I don't want to, you know, confuse anybody or maybe belabor this point, but if you accept Christ, if you pray to receive Christ, and God forbid we're killed in a car accident the next moment, you are saved. Right? Thief on the cross is a perfect example of that. Right? Baptism is important. It's obedience to Christ. We see that Jesus did it. He commanded us to do it. We see it all through the New Testament, but it's not salvation, right? And there's confusion sometimes in the church over that. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Baptism comes after salvation, never before. Right? Baptism always follows salvation. Acts chapter 2, there's so many examples of this in Acts. Here's just one of them. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? Time and time again, we see the idea of repentance and then baptism. Right? Salvation first, then baptism. Now, I'm not going to go into other denominations, but just so you'll understand, and I'm happy to talk to you about the difference here, this is one of the reasons, there are a lot of other reasons, but this is one of the reasons we don't baptize infants. Right? Scripture teaches you have to understand and repent of your sins before you can accept Christ and then be baptized. An infant doesn't have the mental capacity yet to do that. 
That's why we have conversations with these children, right? We're very careful. We're very careful. We're not just letting them say something and just think it's enough for them to say, I want to be saved and just kind of walk them through salvation and then baptism, never having a conversation with them, right? We want to sit down with these children and make sure they really understand what they're doing. But we don't want them just to kind of be passed along, passed along, passed along, and 30 years later they have no idea what they've actually done and they don't really understand why they've never grown in their faith. We need to spend time thinking and talking and understanding because baptism comes after salvation. Now, if baptism is, is, a, is a, a beautiful time of celebration. And, and when Jake is baptized here in just a while, we're going to celebrate with him as we've celebrated with so many others already this year and in years past. And there's so many others that are coming up this year. We've got a lot of children right now that have asked questions or prayed to receive Christ and are going through this class so we can teach them and train them. We, we, we celebrate the idea of baptism, right? It's an exciting thing for us. But I don't want to miss the point. This is important here. I don't want to miss the original intent, right? Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 6 again. Pull verse 3 up. I want, to, I want you to see it. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says this. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, what's the word? Death, right? Baptized into his death. Here's kind of the third sub-point here. Baptism is a sign of death. Like symbolic of death. You are taken completely under the water just like Jesus was completely buried, right? We talk about the idea of baptism. We talk about the idea of baptism as symbolic of the burial of what Jesus did, the fact that he died. It's symbolic now that we've died to our old way of life. The sin that we once had is no longer part of who we are. We've killed that sin. That part of our life is dead. We've been buried now. In Christ. One writer said this when it's applied to the Christian initiation, we ought not to think in terms of gentleness. He's talking about baptism. It means death. Death to a whole way of life. Christians are people who've died and their baptism emphasized that death. It's important for us to understand when we lead somebody through salvation and we bring them into the waters of baptism and we baptize them down and bring them completely under the water, it's a picture of the death of Christ. It's a picture of their death to sin. It's symbolic of all Jesus accomplished and all Jesus did. Now, this is an interesting point for me because I've had the opportunity overseas to, to talk to people about baptism and, and to witness and be part of baptism in other countries. And we really take this for granted here. Right? We, we live in a country where when you have a baptism, uh, it's a day of celebration. Families oftentimes get together. We have large families that come to be part of that. They'll go to, to lunch together and, and, and celebrate. And, and praise the Lord, they should. We need a lot more of that. That's what it ought to be about. But it's interesting when you go to other countries where persecution kind of reigns and you talk to these people in these other places about baptism, for them, the idea of death is very real because for a lot of those people, when they make this choice to be baptized, they're basically saying to their family and to their friends, listen, all of what you believe and your religion and the religion I grew up in, the religion that I lived my life, most of, the, most of my life in, I don't believe in anymore. Instead, I've given my heart and my life to Jesus and in order to prove that to the world, I'm going to publicly be baptized where other people can see me. When they do that in places where persecution is very real, they literally risk their lives. 
That's hard for us to imagine. But there are people that literally risk their lives when they're baptized because they are saying to the people around them, listen, I don't believe what you believe anymore. Instead, I believe in Christ. You should talk to, to Joe about that or to Jeremy about that or some of these other people that have been to India or places in Africa or other parts of the world that have seen this persecution. You should ask them kind of what's that, what that's like. You should ask them what it's like to talk to those people and to have those conversations with people. People that tell you, listen, I accepted Christ and I got kicked out of my house. My wife divorced me. I lost my job. Uh, the police came and beat me up, right? That really happens. And so for them, baptism really is about death. It's about death to an old life. It's about saying, listen, I trust Christ enough that I'm, I'm willing to give up everything I've had before simply to follow him, right? That's why when we talk about baptism, we talk about full immersion, right? When, when Jesus was buried, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't sprinkle a little dirt on his head, right? They buried him. He was dead. When we go through baptism, we completely immerse all the way under the water to point to this idea of death. Matthew 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up or he went up out of the water, right? There's this picture of full immersion. It's a reminder of the death of Christ. It's a reminder of our death to the sinful ways of our old life. It's a reminder that we've kind of put that, that part of our past to, to, to rest we're done with it. It's over. We're finished with it. We've killed it. But now I want to finish with kind of this beautiful picture of where we're going. Look at verse 4. Pull verse 4 up if you would, please. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's truth number three. Baptism connects us to Jesus through new life. All right, it connects us to his church. We've already seen that. We're baptized into one body and one spirit. It connects us to his death. It reminds us of what he accomplished and what he did for us. It puts our old death, our old sin to death, but it also reminds us in a beautiful way of the new life, right? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, right? We, we are raised up from the dead to experience new life. We are raised up from that dead, sinful person, right? Paul talks all through Romans about how we, and in Ephesians and other parts of the scripture, how we used to be a slave to sin, but after salvation, after repentance of our sins, after we've been forgiven, we're burying the sins, we're doing away with those, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, we're raised from the dead as well. It's a beautiful picture. Imagine the symbolism, right? Imagine the symbolism, right? As we take a person under the water, we put them all the way under the water, right? They're the mercy of the person that brings them up, right? We, we, we joke with people sometimes, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you under just a little bit longer. You are pretty bad before. I'm going to leave you under for a few extra seconds. I would never do that to anybody, of course. <laughs> we joke about that sometimes, right? It's kind of funny. We, we, we laugh a little bit about that. But this is a, a picture, right? The symbolism of what Jesus did and what Jesus gave up and how much he loved us. And when we put people under the water, that person that's under the water, they're now at the mercy of the person baptizing them to pull them back up, aren't they? Right? It symbolizes how we've given our heart to Christ and we trust him now and we believe in him and we're at his mercy now to lead us and to guide us and to provide us with that new life. 
It's a a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful reminder. Now, the scripture says very simply in verse 4. Pull verse 4 up again, please, because I want you to see this. Buried with him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You, you may notice me say this, and we say in our baptism videos, we talk about people experiencing new life. That's where this comes from. This is right out of the scripture. Right? It's not an old life. It's not a dead life. It's a new life because of Christ. It's out there on our big sign. I say it when I baptize people and raise them back up. We say it in our baptism videos. It's all to remind you and to remind them and really bring glory to God because of what he's accomplished and what he's done in our lives. We can now, because of his faith and because of our faith in him and his grace in our lives and salvation, we can now experience new life. We're not, we're not raised the same way we went into the water. We come out and we're, we're fresh because of salvation in Christ. We've been raised to experience new life. We should act differently. We should, we should think differently. We should respond differently. We should have new interests. And so one of the, just the points of application is we're kind of winding down this one. One of the things you ought to be considering in your life, right? If, if you've connected to Jesus, which I hope you have, and you've connected to his church and you've been baptized, you, you ought to be different than the world. You understand that? Like you should act differently than the people that are not believers around you. You should think differently. You you should respond differently. I I read a book years ago, and it talked about how you can really know somebody's character not by the way they act, but by the way they react. I thought that's pretty good. Because you can fake a lot of things, but when the chips are down... And the way you respond to people when it's not the way you want it, the way you react to people is a picture, right? As believers, we ought to react differently, shouldn't we? We should respond differently when that guy at the grocery store doesn't say the thing we want him to say. (laughs) Or doesn't act the way we expect he should act or she should act. Or when that person in traffic does something we don't necessarily like. Or our boss or one of our employees or you fill in the blank. We should react differently. Why? Because we have experienced new life. Like we have a hope and a peace and a joy and a love through Christ that they don't have. Because of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And baptism is a beautiful picture of that. All right, I want you to do this. I want you to close up your Bibles, close up your notes. I'm going to pray here in just a second. I'm going to just kind of challenge you again here right here at the end. Jack, if you guys want to come on up, praise team, if y'all want to come on, make your way out here. I just want to challenge you again with this idea. First of all, salvation. I mean, I keep going back to what Jake said. That, 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 that phrase has been just kind of ping-pong in my brain the last few weeks. How many people are just playing church? Like, have you truly given your heart to Christ? Are you truly seeking Him? Are you truly trusting Him? Are you truly hearing from Him on a regular basis? Have you really connected to His church? Are you involved? Are you in a small group? Are you serving? Have you been baptized? Maybe say, you know what, I got saved when I was young. Uh, I've never actually been baptized. I don't really quite know if that's a big deal or not. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to help you explain that and, and understand what's going on more with baptism and what it may mean for you. But I just want to challenge you this morning, man. If, if you haven't connected with Christ, if you haven't connected with His church, if you don't fully understand baptism, I'm going to stand here in just a second. I'd love for you to talk about that. I, talk about that with you. I'd, I'd love to pray with you through that. I'd love for you to hear the truth of the gospel. And I pray that that truth would challenge you and convict you and set you free. <laughs> Let me pray for us now. Father, we just thank you for 
uh, the truth of your word in this scripture, Lord. It's just very clear. It's very understandable. We're challenged with this idea of baptism and what it means, the symbolism of it, Father. How it's a, a picture of, of what Christ did and, and how he lived. And Father, I just pray that as we just sit under this word, Lord, and this truth that you would convict us on some level. And, and there are many people here, Lord, who have prayed to receive Christ or who are very connected to this church, who've been baptized and are living for you, Father. Help them ask themselves the question, Lord, what can I now do to help other people do this? How can I lead other people to Christ? How can I help other people connect with this church? How can I help other people understand what baptism really is and why it matters? Father, I, I just pray you would use us in this time of invitation. Just open our hearts to your truth. Do great things in our midst, and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. If the offering is open. It's the time for you to come and respond. As Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.